Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Welcome, everyone, to the new 1001 Sherlock Holmes Stories podcast. Here you'll find a collection of Sherlock Holmes adventures, as well as the best of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's stories. Some from our archives at 1001 Classic Short Stories and 1001 Stories for the Road, and some newly produced, all here for your entertainment. This episode from the life of Sherlock Holmes will be transmitted to our men and women overseas by shortwave and through the worldwide facilities of the Armed Forces Radio Service. Petri Wine brings you... Basil Rathbone and Nigel Bruce in the new adventures of Sherlock Holmes. The Petri family, the family that took time to bring you good wine, invites you to listen to Dr. Watson tell us another exciting adventure he shared with his old friend, that master detective, Sherlock Holmes. And as for me, well, I'd like to tell you that a time like right now is the perfect time for a glass of Petri California port. After you've had a good dinner, boy, Petri Port is a real topper. That rich, deep red Petri Port is really an extraordinary wine. Even its color's different. And as for its flavor, well, it'll take a better man than me to describe that. Petri Port is a hearty wine, sure. And every other quality that you look for in a good port, you'll find in Petri Port, and then some. Try Petri Port by itself, or serve it with fruit, with nuts, or with cake. But share it with your friends, will you? Because you can serve it proudly. After all, it is a Petri wine, and that name Petri is the proudest name in the history of American wines. And now let's visit our old friend and host, Dr. Watson. Good evening, Mr. Bartell. Good evening, Doctor. Settle yourself down and get your pipe going. Thanks. Doctor, last week you told us that tonight's story took place in the Casbah at Algiers. Yes, the Casbah. I remember it as the place of countless streets winding up and down, past colorful cafes where a hundred tongues were spoken, and often a street would end in shadowy darkness which a man would be foolhardy to enter alone. Yes, Mr. Bartell, that was the Casbah that Sherlock Holmes and I knew in that winter of 99. Well, how did you happen to be out there, Doctor? <laughs> Do you mind if I tell you the story from the start, Mr. Bartell? It really began on a wintry night in Treat at the conclusion of a strange murder in Montrevor Castle. A charming young girl sat on the sofa of our lodgings in Baker Street and talked. But, Mr. Holmes, you can't say you'll have nothing more to do with the murder. My dear Spitfield, I found the true murderer of the Dowager Countess and committed suicide. Surely the case has ended. Yes, Mr. Holmes, you found the real murderer. But now I want you to find the unfortunate young man who fled England five years ago when he was suspected of the crime. This is a new development, Miss Stetfielder. Please tell us about it. It's Douglas Milton that I'm talking about. Oh, yes, yes. He was the heir to the title, wasn't he? Yes, Mr. Holmes. He was a sensitive, artistic boy, and, and when he knew that he was under suspicion, he ran away. Mm -hmm. Of course, everyone regarded his flight as an, as an admission of guilt. That is, until you found the real culprit, Mr. Holmes. I imagine, Miss Stetfielder, that your interest in the missing boy is not entirely, shall we say, uh, altruistic? I'm in love with him, Dr. Watson. Oh. We were engaged to be married when he ran away. Mr. Holmes, you've got to find him. He must know that his name has been cleared and that he's inherited the title. Mr. Stratfield, uh, have you any direct news, any letter from your fiancée since he left five years ago? None. Any clue to his hiding place? Only this. It's a painting I received anonymously a year after he had left. Oh. It was sent from a forwarding address in London. 
Here it is, Mr. Holmes. Thank you. Small painting. Very good one, too, sir. Yes. The splendid sense of composition and his use of color is unusually brilliant. You recognize this painting as the work of your fiancée, Miss Stretfield? I'm certain of it. Yes. Wonderful use of color. Observe the delicate shadings of that sunset and the brilliant green of the oasis. This scene is extraordinarily reminiscent of the desert in North Africa. Yes, yes, that's what made me say I was certain he'd gone abroad, Mr. Holmes. But why should he go to North Africa? A good place, Watson, for an Englishman imagines himself to be escaping justice. Remember the foreign legion is stationed there. You think he might have joined the legion, Mr. Holmes? Right. Would seem logical. No questions are asked to those who join it, and its colorful obscurity might easily appeal to a young fellow in trouble. Hello. What is it, Holmes? Oh, quite a few grains of sand in the canvas in the frame here. Miss Treadfield, do you mind if I pry the canvas loose? Do anything you like, Mr. Holmes, if it gives you any clue to Douglas's whereabouts. Give me your penknife, will you, Watson? Yeah. Thanks, old chap. Here we are. Can you see anything? Uh-huh. Look. The word Sheriff. An Elafroon. A stamped here. Sheriff is probably the framer's name, and Elafroon is a town some 50 miles from Algiers. That settles it. Miss Stratfield, I accept your case. Watson and I will go to Africa and try to find your fiancé, Douglas Milton. Monsieur Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson. I have heard of you so often, but I never thought I should see you here at the headquarters of the Foreign Legion. What can I do for you, gentlemen? Well, Colonel Brisson... I'm uh, trying to trace an Englishman who has been missing during the past few years. I have reason to believe that he uh, might have joined the Legion. Yeah, I shall look in my records. Uh, let me see. Four years ago would be 1895. Uh, if Sherlock Holmes is tracking him, then I suppose he was in trouble in his own country. If he was in trouble, he might easily have come to us. We ask no questions. 97, 96, uh, 95... In that year, three young Englishmen joined us. One of them died of dysentery two years ago in Sidaraji. One of them deserted 18 months ago, and we have been unable to trace him. The third is my adjutant who brought you into my office just now. And he is, I would say, about um, three inches shorter than Douglas Milton. And men do not uh, shrink the foreign legion, eh, Colonel? They do not, Miss Jones. Uh -huh. The fellow who deserted must be our man. Unless it's the one who died of dysentery. Colonel de Brisson, how would you advise us to set about trying to find a deserter? Monsieur Holmes, there's only one place in Algeria where a man can hide from the Foreign Legion and remain here. Oh, and what's that place? The Kasbah in Algiers. Then that's our destination, Watson. Uh, be very careful, please, gentlemen. The Kasbah is a place where the law is exiled. The police have no jurisdiction there. The only rule is that of strength, violence, and trickery. We shall be very cautious, I assure you. Goodbye, Colonel Le Brisson, and thank you for your help. <laughs> I must say that I think Colonel de Brisson rather exaggerated the dangers of the Casper. <laughs> I suppose you're going to tell me this cafe is the headquarters for a dope smuggling ring or white slaving or something. Its ramifications are even more extensive than those you've mentioned. You're joking, Holmes. I assure you I'm not, old fellow. What? My old friend Juamel is chief of police of Jews. When I told him our mission, he advised me to come here. A 500-franc note and the proprietor can obtain any and all information regarding the underworld. But as little as 200 francs can arrange a murder. So that gives you some idea of the relative values of the Casper. Good Lord, then you've already spoken to the proprietor? Oh, yes, yes. A charming scoundrelly fellow by the name of Rafi. I gave him 500 francs and asked him to set his underworld grapevine in motion to see whether an Englishman living in hiding here in the Casbah could be found. And I thought we'd come here for a quiet meal. <laughs> here, Rafi, now. Let's hope he has news for us. Here we are, Rafi. Come and sit down, won't you? Rafi works fast, does he not, Mr. Holmes? Uh, uh, your friend is... My friend knows that you're working with me. We'll be found out. A, a drink first. The tongue of Rafi is parched. <laughs> Would you have me die of thirst before I give you my news? Vermouth cassis. Rafi? You have news for me, then? Uh, but yes. Good, what is it? First, you will pay me more money, no? Uh, but I gave you 500 francs. You said that you do the job for that. Can I help it if some tongues are more costly to make wag than others? <laughs> it took the 500 to get the wag. 
Am I to have nothing for my own trouble? Votre verre muscat, Monsieur Raffi. Ah, good, good. Uh, the gentleman will pay for it. There you are. Merci, Missy. I will drink to your health, gentlemen, both of you. You will pay me more money, no? But my friend's already given you 500. You should stick to your bargain, my good fellow. My information is a bargain at 750 francs. It would be a bargain at 1,000, but Rafi will let you have it for 750 because he likes you. You will give it to me, no? And if I refuse? <laughs> then you get no information, and uh, perhaps I spread news in the Kasbah that makes it uncomfortable for you gentlemen to be there. Wait, Scott, this is blackmail. <laughs> I get the money, no? <laughs> You're a scoundrel, Rafi. Of course I am a scoundrel. <laughs> Here's your money. An information? There is an Englishman hiding here in the Kasbah. I do not know his name, but he is tall and fair-haired. I cannot tell you where he lives. But if you go to the cafe of a thousand sighs, you will find a girl who sings there. A girl who sings like a nightingale. Her name is Aisha, and she can lead you to your Englishman. A girl named Aisha, in the cafe of a thousand sighs. That is right. I would suggest that you go there in disguise. Two well-dressed Englishmen might find themselves in trouble. For a small fee, say 200 francs, I will escort you there oh, myself. Thank you, thank you, yes. I, I think we can manage by ourselves, Rafi. Oh, uh, if your business is concluded quickly and time weighs heavy on your hands, Rafi can take you to some places of rare interest. Dancing girls that wither one's eyeballs with their beauty. <laughs> For 500 francs, gentlemen... Uh, thank I... you, Rafi, thank you. I have a feeling that time will not weigh heavily on our hands. Good night. You work too hard, gentlemen. You should learn how to play. Good night. <laughs> On my soul, I think that fellow's the biggest blackguard I ever met. <laughs> I quite agree, old chap, but he is amusing. Uh, by the way, Holmes, uh, don't you think that when this case is finished, we might have a time on our hands? Oh, Watson, you're incorrigible. But I think... Watson. What is it? Got the man sitting over in the corner by himself. Oh, Joe, yes, his, his face seems familiar. We've seen him before somewhere. Of course we have. His name is Oliver Leeming. We met him at the inquest on the Montrevor case. So we did. Now, what on earth do you suppose he's doing here in the Casbah? Not on a holiday, I'm sure. Mr. Oliver Leeming, if you recall, is a, a cousin of Douglas Milton's. The man, the man we're searching for. If Milton were ever declared legally dead, Mr. Leeming over there would uh, inherit the title. It looks to me as if we're not the only people in the Casper who are searching for the missing heir. That's true, old fellow. Come on, let's go and talk to the gentleman. Mr. Oliver Leeming, I'm very glad to meet you here. Well, well. Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson, won't you sit down? Thank you. World's a small place, isn't it? Or has somebody said that before? I wondered if you'd spot me over here in the corner. Oh, you saw so. Of course. You seem to be in such deep conversation with that scoundrel Rafi. <laughs> I didn't like to disturb you. Very considerate of you, I'm sure. Why are you here, Mr. Leeming? Oh, I'm making a business trip. This is my day off. As I recall it, um, you're in the publishing business. Correct. What a memory you have. Oh, it seems peculiar that you should uh, be on a business trip here. Are you planning on opening a publishing house in Algiers? Or are you uh, searching the Kasbah for new authors? Why not? I'm a great believer in encouraging new talent. Mr. Leeming, why don't you admit that you're here for the express purpose of trying to find your cousin, Douglas Milton? Mr. Holmes, you've discovered my secret. The great Sherlock Holmes and his watchdog have their eyes on me. They know that I succeed to the title if Douglas Milton dies. Yes, Mr. Leeming, we know that fact. And you have fathomed my plan to find Douglas before me and kill him so that I may inherit the title. How lucky I am to meet you in Casbah, where you cannot arrest me. <laughs> well, it's a race against time, gentlemen, but I have a head start, as you will soon find out. Goodbye, and the best of luck to you. Extraordinary fellow. He's joking, of course. I believe not, Watson. I think he labors under the whimsical belief that the best method of discounting the truth is to state it as boldly so that it will not be believed. Great Scott, then we must work fast. Yes, old chap, we must. I'm sure that we're entrance in a race against death. We must get back to the hotel and into our disguises as quickly as possible. After that, we shall visit a young lady named Aisha in the cafe of a thousand sighs. And I'm certain, Watson, that it will be the first time two men have ever entered the Kasbah 
for the express purpose of preventing a murder. We'll hear the rest of Dr. Watson's story in just about a second, which gives me time to remind you that if you like the flavor of big, plump, juicy Muscat grapes, you'll love the flavor of Petri California Muscatel. What a wine. Petri Muscatel is the perfect after-dinner wine. It looks good, smells better than it looks, and when it comes to the taste department, well, you never tasted anything like it. For a really good wine, remember first Petri, then Muscatel. Petri Muscatel. Well, Doctor, I can hardly wait to hear what happened next. You, Buck Holmes, went back to the hotel, I suppose. Yes, Mr. Patel. Holmes quickly adopted the disguise of an Arab guide while I assumed the role of a tourist. And we started off on our search. Outside the cafe of a thousand size, we met with the rude shock. Good Lord. It's the fellow we met in the cafe. Yes, Oliver Lee Ming, with a knife between his shoulders. He's dead, Holmes. Didn't we get in touch with the police? What can they do? Remember, there is no law on the Kasbah. In any case, this man is beyond our help. Our job is to protect the living. Come on, old fellow. Let's go to the cafe of a thousand sighs and find this girl, Aisha. The girl, Rafi says, sings like a nightingale. Oh, so, so that's the girl, Aisha. She, she's very beautiful. Have to get our role of tourist and guide, old chap. Master, would we meet this Aisha? Uh, very much indeed. I will see if it can be arranged, Master. Wait here for me, Watson. I'll see what I can do. Right, right you are, Holmes. Be careful, now. Mademoiselle Aisha? What do you want, greasy one? There is an Englishman at the table over there. He wishes to talk to Aisha. Which one is he? The man who sits at the table in the corner. He is very rich, Aisha, and he admires you a great deal. He told me to give you this 500-franc note. So? Very well. You may bring him to my rooms. The door is at top of the way, to the right. Good, Aisha. I fetch him. I shall be waiting. Aisha, I will see you, Master. Follow me, please. Oh, very well. I hope you know that you're going to handle this, Combs. Don't worry, Watson. In this case, I think honesty will be the best policy. Well, I'm not so sure. This place is a thieves' kitchen if ever I saw one. You better be careful. First door to the right at the top of the stairs. And this is it. Come in. Oh, come and sit over here, Mr. Englishman. Greasy one. You may leave us. Mademoiselle, I uh, may as well tell you at once that I am not an Arab guide. My name is Sherlock Holmes. What do you want with me? Why you trick your way in here? Don't be frightened, Mademoiselle. I can explain our mission in a very few words. My friend and I have come in search of an Englishman by the name of Douglas Milton. We have good news for him. What make you think I might know of him? A gentleman by the name of Rafi suggested that you might. What is your good news for this Englishman? That he has been cleared of suspicion of murder and that he is the rightful Earl of Montreuil. That means when he knows this, he will leave the Kasbah and return to his country? Naturally, madame. I do not know this man. I have never heard of him. Here is your 500 francs. Goodbye. Not so fast, Aisha, mon petit chou. I've been listening from behind these curtains. Gentlemen, allow me to introduce myself. My name is Douglas Milton. Douglas Milton, we find you at last. It gives me infinite pleasure it's to have succeeded in my mission. How do you do, sir? Oh, this is very exciting. It is yes, I think the occasion calls for a drink. Uh, what will it be, gentlemen? Well, I think a, a glass of port would be very nice, sir. Yes, it would be the most appropriate for toasting the new herb on Trevor. Splendid, splendid. Aisha, a thin glasses and a bottle of port and some uh, creme de menthe for me. You are not going to England. I will never let you leave me. Oh, stop being so melodramatic, Aisha. Please bring two bottles and some glasses. Very well. I am sorry. Mr. Holmes, 
I can't tell you how I appreciate your trouble in coming all this way to find me. Well, I must tell you at once, there's one problem that makes it difficult for me to leave this country. You see, I... I deserted from the Foreign Legion. Yes, 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 we know that, my boy. In fact, that's how we first got onto your trail. I shouldn't let that fact worry you, Mr. Milton. I'm certain the British Consul in Algiers can arrange to have any charges dropped against a peer of the realm. Oh, well, I, I, I never thought of that. Here are the bottles. You must excuse the glasses, gentlemen. Tumblers are hardly correct, I suppose, but... Well, they won't spoil the flavor, I'm sure. Ah, two glasses of port and, uh, creme de mouth for me. Only three glasses, Aisha? Bring a glass for yourself. I do not wish to drink. And I insist that you do. Bring a glass, Aisha. Why should I drink if you are leaving? Mr. Milton, uh, do you know Oliver Leeming? Oh, of course, he's my cousin. Yes, he came here half an hour ago and threatened me. Did you also know that he's lying dead in the street? Murdered? Well, yes. Yes, I did. If we went in the cars, I wouldn't tell you this, but Aisha stabbed him. She followed him when he left here. He killed him and then slipped back just in time to sing us a few moments ago. Oh, you needn't look so shocked, Dr. Watson. Life is cheap in the Casper, and Aisha is a girl of violent passions. Come on, let's let's drink. A toast to the new Earl of Montreba. Oh, <coughs> excuse me, sir. You took the wrong glass. You were drinking my port. Oh, silly mistake. I can't bear port. Very English of me, I'm afraid, but, well... After all these years, I don't feel particularly English. In fact, I'll probably find it very hard to adjust myself to the old life when I go Or perhaps I should say, if I go back. Since you feel that way about it, Mr. Milton, why go? You can claim the title and the revenues of the estate without leaving Algeria. You could stay here and live on the income. I didn't realize that would be possible. Are you sure I could do that? Oh, yes, I'm quite certain of it. Hmm. But if you doubt my word, I suggest we all adjourn to the British consulate in Algiers. They can put you straight on the matter. That's a good idea. Let's go over there at once. Now, now I've been listening to you, my friend. You are planning to leave me. Once you go from the castle, I'll never see you again. Put down that knife, Aisha. I will not let you go. You belong to me. If you try to leave me now, I will kill you. Put down that knife, Aisha. You've done enough damage for one night. Why, you... Put it down, you fool. Put it let down. Let me go. Let me go. Ah. Ah. She twisted the knife on herself as she fell. Holmes, help me turn her over. She's dead, Mr. Milton. Poor Aisha. It's a bloody path that leads to the Montrevor title, sir. I suggest that we see that the poor girl's body is taken care of. And then go to the British consulate without any further delay. Now that we're at the consulate, Mr. Milton, I suggest that you swear on oath that you are Douglas Milton... Heir to the Montrevor estate. This gentleman is a commissioner of oaths. Then we can go in and see the consul. Very well. Now, now uh, rise the right hand, please, and repeat after me. I hereby solemnly swear that I am Douglas Milton, the missing heir to the Montrevor estate. I hereby swear that I am Douglas Milton, missing heir to the Montrevor estate. Thank you, sir. And now, if you'll sign the statement here, these gentlemen can witness it. There you are. Thank you, sir. And now, if uh, you gentlemen will sign. Yes, certainly. Uh, uh, no. Thank you, gentlemen. The document is now legal. Splendid. Now let's go over and see the consul. Not yet, my friend. Watson, this man is not Douglas Milton. What the devil are you talking about? There is no law on the Casbah, sir, so you cannot be punished for the two murders you committed there. But now that your avarice has tempted you here to Algiers... Well, you've been foolish enough to sign a false statement. I think we can at least settle you very nicely for desertion, false impersonation, forgery and perjury. Holmes, what do you mean? The story should be obvious, old fellow. Oliver Leeming did track down the deserter. Recognition was uncertain after so many years, but at least it gave this gentleman the idea of impersonating the real Douglas Milton, a friend of his. You have a lively imagination, Mr. Holmes. The real Douglas Milton died of dysentery two years ago in Cidel Rouge. As soon as the idea of impersonating Milton was born, Leeming had to die. Your theories are very interesting, but you haven't a shred of proof. I say that I'm Douglas Milton. How are you going to prove otherwise? Very simply, my dear sir. Douglas Milton was a painter. A painter who excelled in the use of vivid colors. You, sir, suffer from the quite common malady of red-green color blindness. Less than an hour ago, you mistook a glass of port, which is red, for a glass of creme de menthe, which is green. I knew at once that you were an imposter. You're cleverer than I thought you were, Holmes. Goodbye. Here, here, come back. No, no, Watson. 
Don't go after him. But we can't let him escape, Holmes. Don't worry, old chap. He won't escape. I sent a message to Colonel DeBrit. If you go to the window, I think you'll find that the consulate is being watched. The Legion has a long memory for desertion. I don't think he'll get very far. They got him, Holmes. Shot him as he was trying to run away. A just death for him. He lived a life of violence and treachery, Watson. It's only fitting that he should die in the same manner. Doctor, that was a swell story, but... You know something? I, I wish you hadn't disillusioned me about the Casbah. Disillusioned you? Why, what, what do you mean? Well, before I heard your story, whenever somebody mentioned the Casbah, I'd always visualize a very glamorous, romantic sort of place full of beautiful women. Every one of them a ringer for Hedy Lamar. No. Yep. And I could just see myself, handsome, dashing, going up to one of those beautiful girls and whispering in my fine French accent, Darling, you are sensational. You are lovely. Gorgeous. Tell me. Have you ever tried Petri wine? It's wonderful. Well, you must admit, Doctor, that that is the truth. It is wonderful wine. It certainly ought to be. You're incorrigible. <laughs> After all, winemaking has been the business of the Petri family ever since way back in the 1800s. For generations, the Petri family has handed down from father to son, from father to son, the fine art of turning luscious, sun-ripened grapes into fragrant, delicious wine. And don't forget, because the making of Petri wine is a family affair, the letters P-E-T-R-I on a bottle of wine are the personal assurance of the Petri family that every drop of wine in that bottle is good wine. So no matter what type of wine you prefer, for any occasion, remember you can't go wrong with a Petri wine because Petri took time to bring you good wine. Well, Doctor, now I suppose you're ready to tell us about next week. Yes, and as soon as I have, I want you to meet a friend of mine. A friend? Yes. But first, Mr. Bartell, next week, I'm going to tell you an adventure in which, for once, Holmes came off second best. An exciting story of high society and romance. I call it A Scandal in Bohemia. Boy, that sounds swell. And now, what about your friend? Well, he's waiting at the microphone in San Francisco. He's Dr. Langley Porter... And he wants to tell us about something very important. Dr. Langley Porter. Thank you, Dr. Watson. Radio listeners, tonight in Italy there are thousands, many thousands, dying of cold and hunger. Babies, children, expectant mothers, old folks, dying for want of clothes, want of food. This organization, American Relief for Italy appeals to you to search your homes for anything that can be made useful for starving, freezing men, women, children. Clothing, layettes for babies, diapers, shoes, food, surgical supplies, but above all, clothes, clean clothes, fit to wear. Take them to the nearest fire station. That your gifts will reach the Italians who need them, you may be sure. Americans of this organization will distribute the packages in Italy through the Italian Red Cross, the Catholic Relief Organization, the League of Italian Women, the Confederation of Italian Labor, and the Italian government. In California, rationing has gone. Christmas comes. There, in Italy, death is on the prowl. Radio listeners, lives can be saved. It's up to you. Thank you, Dr. Langley Porter. I know that our friends listening in will do all that they can to help the organization. American Relief for Italy. Tonight's Sherlock Holmes adventure is written by Dennis Green and Anthony Boucher and was suggested by an incident in the Sir Arthur Conan Doyle story, The Crooked Man. Music is by Dean Fossler. Mr. Rathbone appears through the courtesy of Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer and Mr. Bruce through the courtesy of Russell Pictures, where they are now starring in the Sherlock Holmes series. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, Information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. I only caught a glimpse of her at the moment, but she was a lovely woman with a face that a man might die for. So says Sherlock Holmes in one of the most popular of the Conan Doyle adventures, A Scandal in Bohemia. Welcome to two more new adventures of Sherlock Holmes. My name is Peggy Weber, and I had, as a young actress, the good fortune to perform with Basil Rathbone and Nigel Bruce on some of their Sherlock Holmes radio broadcasts. To Sherlock Holmes, Irene Adler was the woman. A great deal has been made of this over the years in many a pastiche, and even in some recent feature films, implying that Holmes was in love with Miss Adler. But we must not lose sight of the true nature of Sherlock Holmes. As Dr. Watson writes, Holmes was a man to whom all emotions, particularly that of love, were abhorrent to his cold, precise, but admirably balanced mind. It would not be in Holmes' nature to be in love with such a woman. We must also bear in mind that outward signs of love in the Victorian era were suppressed. Women were considered second-class citizens, creatures who stood behind their men, bred and raised their children, and stood by silently and supportively. Such forward women as Irene Adler were considered loose women, a woman who was, in the words of the King of Bohemia, an adventuress. Holmes accepted this label placed upon Miss Adler by his client, but did not have so narrow a mind about women himself. He might not care for them, but he certainly did respect them, especially such a formidable woman as Irene Adler. Miss Adler was a benign adversary to Holmes, for in truth all her actions were to protect herself not to bring harm to the great detective or his client, the King of Bohemia. Miss Adler's cunning, her awareness, as well as her immense beauty, and her ability to best Holmes, who rarely lost the game, are the traits that endeared her to Holmes from the moment he realized she had outfoxed him. And now, Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson... In the classic adventure, A Scandal in Bohemia. This episode from the life of Sherlock Holmes will be transmitted to our men and women overseas by shortwave and through the worldwide facilities of the Armed Forces Radio Service. Petri Wine brings you... Basil Rathbone and Nigel Bruce in the new adventures of Sherlock Holmes. The Petri family, the family that took time to bring you good wine, invites you to listen to Dr. Watson tell us another exciting adventure he shared with his old friend, that master detective, Sherlock Holmes. And you know something? I had an adventure tonight I wish you could have shared with me. I had a steak about, oh, an inch and a half thick, tender, juicy, and with it I had a glass of Petri California Burgundy. Now there's a combination, steak and Petri Burgundy. That Petri Burgundy is a perfect mealtime wine. It's a rich red wine that's hearty and full of flavor. Flavor that comes right from the heart of the grape. And don't think that Petri Burgundy is only good with steak. 
It'll make a hamburger sandwich taste like a feast, too. Try Petri Burgundy with any meat or meat dish. It's just wonderful. And serve it proudly, too, because after all, the name Petri is the proudest name in the history of American wines. And now I know Dr. Watson's waiting for us, so let's go in and join him. Good evening, Dr. Watson. Good evening, Mr. Bartell. You're quite muffled up tonight, I see. Overcoat, scarf, and gloves. Slip them off and come and join me by the fire. Thanks, Doctor. It's quite a nip in the air tonight. Yes, there is indeed. Well, Doctor, you told us last week that tonight's story centered around the activities of a brilliant and beautiful woman. Yes, my boy. Her name was Irene Adler. But I never knew Holmes referred to her by any other name than the woman. <laughs> she sounds mighty intriguing. How did you happen to meet up with her? Well, I'll tell you the story from the beginning. One night, it was on the 20th of May in 1888, to be exact, I was returning home from a visit to a patient when my steps led me through Baker Street. Since my marriage, I haven't seen much of Sherlock Holmes. And, and you couldn't uh, resist stopping by at 221B, I'm sure, Doctor. <laughs> oh, of course I couldn't. As I stood outside the well-remembered door, I looked up at the lighted windows and saw the tall, spare figure of my old friend passed twice in dark silhouette against the blind. He was pacing the room swiftly, eagerly, with his head sunk on his chest and his hands clasped behind him. To me, who knew every mood of his and habit of his, his attitude and manner told their own story. He was hot on the scent of some new problem. I rang the bell, and a few moments later, found myself standing before him. You look in splendid shape. Yes, Holmes, I'm feeling very well, thanks. And in practice again, I see. You didn't tell me that you'd gone back into harness. Oh, and how did you know? Elementary, my dear chap. If a gentleman walks into my rooms smelling of iodoform with uh, a black mark of nitrate of silver on his right forefinger and a bulge on the left side of his hat to show where he's uh, secreted his stethoscope, I should be dull indeed if I didn't pronounce him to be an active member of the medical profession. <laughs> Just the same as ever, Holmes. By the way, I'm... Uh... Not interrupting you, well, are you? Well, you are, old fellow, but it's, um, it's a most welcome interruption. You're working on a new case? Um, it looks like it. This letter arrived by the last post today. It's undated and has neither signature nor address. Read it. Let's have a look. There will call upon you tonight at a quarter to eight o'clock a gentleman who desires to consult you upon a matter of the very deepest moment. Your recent services to one of the royal houses of Europe have shown that you are one who may safely be trusted. This account of you we have from all quarters received. Uh, be in your chamber, then, at that hour, and do not take it amiss if your visitor wears a mask. It's, got, it's all very mysterious. What do you imagine it means? Look carefully at the note, old fellow. What do you deduce from it? Well, now, let me think. Well, the man who wrote it was presumably well-to-do. Such paper couldn't be bought under half a crown a packet. And it's peculiarly... Strong and, and stiff. Peculiar. That's the very word. It's not an English paper at all. Hold it up to the light. Don't you notice anything? Yes. There's a large E with a small G and, and a large G with a small T. That's right. Woven into the text of the paper. What does that suggest to you? The name of the maker, no doubt, or perhaps his monogram. Not at all, my dear fellow. The G with the small T stands for Gesellschaft, which is the German for company. And the E-G? That stands for Igria. It's a German-speaking country in Bohemia, not far from Carlsbad. Oh, so the paper was made in Bohemia? Undoubtedly, my dear fellow. And the man who wrote the note is a German. How do you know that? Observe the curious construction of the sentence, This account of you we have from all quarters received. A Frenchman or a Russian could not have written that. Hmm? It's the German who is so discourteous to his verbs. Oh, there's your clown now. I'd I, I better go home. No, 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 unless you have to. Well, I... I could stay. I thought that Ben, stay, you... old chap. I'm lost without my Boswell, and this promises to be interesting. I, um, I told Mrs. Hudson to let the masked visitor come upstairs unannounced. Come in. Good evening, sir. You, uh, you received my note? Yes, indeed, sir. Come in, won't you? And sit down. This is my friend and colleague, Dr. Watson. You may say anything before him that you can say to me. Whom have I the honor to address? You may address me as uh, Count von Kram. How do you do, sir? You must excuse this mask that I wear. Uh, the august person who employs me wishes his agent to be unknown to you, and uh, 
I may confess at once that the title by which I have just called myself is not exactly my own. I'm well aware of that fact, sir. You see, uh, Mr. Holmes, uh, the matter I am about to discuss uh, implicates the great house of Ormstein, hereditary kings of uh, Bohemia. That has not escaped me either, sir. In fact, if you will state your case, I shall be the better able to advise you. Your Majesty. Uh, how did you... Yes. Yes, I am the king. Why should I attempt to conceal it? Why, indeed? I shall remove the mask. There. Mr. Holmes, I have traveled incognito from Prague for the express purpose of consulting then you. Then pray consult. Briefly, the facts are these. Some five years ago, uh, during a visit to Warsaw, I made the acquaintance of the well-known adventurous Irene Adler. Irene Adler? We know of her, Your Majesty. Uh, look her up in the index for me, will you, Watson? Uh, it's right beside you on the desk there. I uh, imagine that the name would not be unfamiliar Here to you. Here we are. A. Abraham's Acton Green Hatchet Murders. Adler. Adler. Splendid, splendid, old fellow. Hand me the file, will you? Yeah. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Irene Adler, born in New Jersey in the United States in 1858. Contralto. Mm -hmm. Prima Donna Imperial Opera of Warsaw. Mm-hmm. Retired from the operatic stage, living in London. Quite so. And here's a recent notation, uh-huh. Your Majesty, as I understand, became entangled with this young person, wrote her some compromising letters, and is now desirous of getting those letters back. Precisely so, but how did... Was there a secret marriage? None. No legal papers or certificates? No. Then I fail to follow, Your Majesty. If this young lady should produce her letters for blackmailing purposes, how is she to prove their authenticity? There is the handwriting. Well, that could be a forgery, Your Majesty. But it was private notepaper. Stolen. My own seal. Imitated. My photograph. Bought. What? We were bought in the photograph. Oh, dear, oh, dear. That's very bad. Your Majesty has indeed committed an indiscretion. Uh, did you inscribe the photograph, Your Majesty? Uh, yes, Dr. Watson. I'm afraid I did. Oh, uh, Mr. Holmes. It must be recovered. Perhaps if you were to pay enough, the photograph might be bought. She refuses to sell. Oh, stolen, then. Uh, five attempts have been made. Twice burglars in my pay ransacked her house. Once we diverted her luggage when she traveled. Twice she has been waylaid. There has been no result. Oh, dear. It's quite a pretty little problem. Uh, it is a deadly serious one to me. Your Majesty, what does Miss Adler intend to do with the photograph? To ruin me. Oh, how? Well, I... Uh, I'm about to be married to the second daughter of the king of Scandinavia. She is the soul of delicacy. A shadow of a doubt as to my conduct would bring the matter to an end. Mm. And Irene Adler threatens to send the photograph to your fiancée, I suppose. Yes, and she will do it. Rather than let me marry another woman, there are no lengths to which she would not go. None. Are you sure that she's not already sent it, Your Majesty? I am sure. Now, why, Your Majesty? She said uh, that she would send it on the day my betrothal is publicly announced. That day will be next Monday. Splendid. Then we have still um, three days yet. Uh, Your Majesty will, of course, stay in London for the present. Certainly. You will find me at the Langham Hotel, registered as uh, Count von Kram. Just two questions before you leave, sir. What are they? Is the photograph large or small? Quite large. And uh, it was in a heavy frame. I see. And what is Miss Irene Adler's London address? Brioni Lodge, Serpentine Avenue, St. John's Wood. Uh, thank you, Your Majesty. Good night, and I trust we shall soon have some good news for you. I am placing all my hopes in you, Mr. Holmes. Good night. Good night, Dr. Wallace. Uh, good night, Your Majesty. A fascinating problem, Holmes. I, I wish I could help you with it. You can, my dear chap. Huh? I shall be glad of your company. Oh, splendid. Uh, what's our first move, Holmes? Well, a good night's rest, I think. We'll meet here at 10 o'clock tomorrow morning. And then? Then, my dear fellow, we will see what we can find out about Miss Irene Adler, late of the Warsaw Imperial Opera Company and at present residing at Bryony Lodge, Serpentine Avenue, St. John's Wood. <laughs> The examination of Brownie Lodge didn't prove very illuminating. No, a bijou residence that represents the essence of dignified suburbia, but tells us very little about its owner. I think a visit to the local public house might prove more instructive. Come on, old chap. I see the door to the coach and horses inviting us from across the road. Well, our disguises shouldn't cause any suspicion, Holmes. That's why I suggested them. In the character of a couple of stable hands... I felt that we might inspire confidence. This is a horsey neighborhood, 
There's a wonderful sympathy and Freemasonry among the fraternity. There we are. Better let me do most of the talking. Yes, I will indeed. I'm sure that your accent will be more convincing than mine. Let's go in, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> Half a bowl of mall, please. Uh, how about you, Charlie? All of a side? Yeah. Two halves of old and mild. <laughs> well, here you are, mates. That'll be a tenner. Uh, have a drink with us, Governor. Oh, don't mind if I do. <laughs> I'll have a Guinness. You uh, blokes new round here? Yes, that's right. Come over from Clapham. Clapham, eh? Uh, <laughs> well, here's looking at you. Ah. <clears throat> Hunting for jobs? That's right. Uh, we was told that Miss Idler across the Briony Lodge needed a new coachman and a groom. Well, it's the first time I've heard of it. Might be true. Uh, have you been over there to ask? No, not yet. We thought we'd find out something about the old girl first. <laughs> she ain't no old girl, matey. <laughs> She's the prettiest young thing you ever saw under a bonnet, and that's a fact. You know her, Gabler? Why, of course I know her. Used to drive her carriage, I did. Before uh, I came to work here. Oh, what's she like? Oh, nice little lady, as you'll find, chum. A work yard? No, no, no. She, uh, she lives quiet, like. Uh, goes out uh, singing at concerts once in a while. The rest of the time, it's money for Jim. She goes out for a drive in the park every day at five and comes back to dinner at 6.30. The rest of the time's your own. She ain't married, you say? No, no. But uh, she's got a bloke what comes to see her all the time. <laughs> He's a barrister. Nice gentleman. Uh, Mr. Geoffrey Norton is his name. Good-looking fella. Uh, wouldn't be surprised to see him get spliced. <laughs> Sounds like a cushy job to me. Come on, Charlie. Let's get out of the house and see what's what. Much obliged to you, chum. Well, <laughs> good luck, mateys, and, <laughs> and thanks for the dinners. What's our next move, Holmes? Let's stroll back to Brownie Lodge. I'm undecided whether to continue my investigation there or to try and find out something about Mr. Geoffrey Norton, the barrister. If he's just her lawyer and nothing else, it's more than likely that she's entrusted the photograph to his safekeeping. Uh, hello. There's a cab waiting outside Miss Adler's house. Hurry, Watson. Maybe Mr. Norton's. Here, here we are at the gate. Yes. Here comes a man hurrying down the pathway. Quick. Flatten yourself behind this post. Listen. Where to now, Mr. Norton? Drive like the devil. First to Gross and Hankey's in Regent Street, and then to the Church of St. Monica in the Edgeware Road. Half a sovereign if you do it in 20 minutes. Right, Charles, Mr. Norton, up in. Proud and signal of a cab, Watson. We must follow him. Well, here comes one. Oh, no, it isn't. It's, it's a private carriage. It's heartless, no doubt. Here she comes down the pathway. Back behind the post again, Watson. Where to, Miss Adler? The Church of St. Monica's, John. And half a sovereign if you reach it in 20 minutes. James Foot Watson, quick. We must get a cab and follow them. Here comes a handsome. Hi, cabby, cabby. Here. You blokes got enough money to take a cab? Here's a half sovereign for you, my man. Right you are. Where to, Governor? The Church of St. Monica in the Edgware Road. And another half sovereign for you if you get us there in 20 minutes. <laughs> the rest of Dr. Watson's story in just a second, but let me tell you something. If you're going to have chicken for dinner tomorrow night, or any night, don't forget to serve that chicken with Petri California Sauterne. Believe me, Petri Sauterne is just about the last word in white wines. It's beautifully golden in color, it's delicate and intriguing in flavor, and it's just, <laughs> well, you taste it and see for yourself. If you want a delicious white wine, you certainly want a Petri Sauterne. Well, Doctor, once again, you broke off your story at the most exciting point. Did uh, you and Sherlock Holmes reach that church inside the 20 minutes? Yes, Mr. Bartell, we did, but the other carriages were there before us. Holmes went into the church after telling me to guard the outside. I must have waited for 10 minutes or more before Mr. Jeffrey Norton and Miss Adler came out, spoke a few words to each other, and then left in their separate conveyances. A moment later, Holmes, still dressed as a stable hand, came striding out of the church and down the steps towards me. He was obviously very excited. Watson! Watson! 
they left? Yes, in separate cabs. I overheard him say that he was going back to his office. And she said, I shall drive out in the park and, at five this evening. Splendid, old fellow. Then come on, we can return to Baker Street. Uh, what happened inside the church? They were married. Married? Of course. The ceremony would have been illegal if it had been performed afternoon. That accounted for their wild dash to the church. Jump into the cab. Where to now, Governor? 221B Baker Street. Oh, so they, they got married, eh? Yes, and it may amuse you to know that I acted as witness at the ceremony. Oh, you did? But how did that happen? Their, their own witness had failed to appear and I was dragged into the breach. The uh, bride gave me this sovereign as a memento. I uh, think I'll wear it on my watch chain in memory of the occasion. What an amazing situation. Things begin to look better for the king, don't they? Yes. Now that she's Mrs. Norton, the chances are that she won't want to expose his majesty after all. I hope so, Watson. I hope so. But we can't afford to take any chances. I think the time is right for us to come to closer grips with the lady. Well, Holmes, now that we've eaten, perhaps you'll tell me your plan. With pleasure, my dear fellow. And while I'm so doing, I'll proceed with applying the makeup for my new disguise. Another disguise? What's it to be this time? I think the character and appearance of an amiable and simple-minded nonconformist clergyman would be most suited to my plan for entering Miss Adler's house. Are you going to try and enter, then? I must, dear fellow. Yes, huh? I'm sure the photograph is there. Miss Adler, or rather Mrs. Norton, will return from her drive in the park at 6.30. We must be at Bryony Lodge to meet her. And what then? You must leave that to me. I've already made my arrangements. There is only one point on which I must insist. You must not interfere, come what may, you understand? I'm to remain neutral. Yes, there will be some small unpleasantness. Don't join in it. It will end in my being conveyed into the house. As soon as I'm able to, I shall open one of the windows. You are to watch from the outside. When I raise my hand, you will throw an object which I shall give you through the window and at the same time cry fire. Follow me? Entirely, but what am I to throw? Oh, it's nothing very formidable. Well, here it is. Huh, looks like a great big cigar. What is it? Just an ordinary plumber's smoke rocket, fitted with a cap at each end to make it self-lighting. Your task is confined to throwing it through the window. When you raise the cry fire, it will be taken up by quite a number of people. We then walk to the end of the street and I'll rejoin you in ten minutes. I hope I've made myself clear. Perfectly. Good. And now, old fellow, as soon as I've done my clerical attire, let's be on our way. There's no time to be lost. <laughs> Nearly 6.30, Holmes. We've been pacing up and down in front of her house for half an hour now. I hope she does come back. I'm sure she will. There seem to be a lot of loafers hanging around her gate. All part of my conspiracy, old chap. You'll see them play their parts in a few minutes. You still think the photograph is inside the house? Yes, I'm sure of it. Hmm? It's most unlikely that she carries it about with her. Remember the king told us it was a, a large frame picture. And also remember that she'd planned to use it within a few days. It must be where she can lay her hands on it. It must be inside her house. But her house has been burgled twice. They don't know how to look. Well, how will you look? I won't. I'll get her to show me. She'll refuse. Well, she won't be able to... Shh. Here comes the carriage now. Remember, Watson, carry out my orders to the letter. Yes, you can trust me, huh? Blimey, here comes the Duchess of Tillowigs. Let's put out the carpet. She might get her tootsies wet. Oh, put her sock in it, Elfie. Leave him alone. She's no better than she ought to be. Let me through. I live here. Well, ain't that nice? We'll all come in and have a cup of cocoa. Move out of the way, please, and let the lady through. Mind your own business. Just because your collar's turned the wrong way, you can't spoil our fun. That's right, Eddie. Keep your nose out of it, Parson. Please, please don't fight about it. I tell you to stop molesting the lady. Do ya? Then how would you like a biff in the nose? <laughs> oh, he hit the poor man. Then he ran away, the coward. Is the clergyman badly hurt? He hit his head, Mum, when he fell. If you ask me, he's hurt bad. He's bleeding something terrible. Can we bring him in, Mum? He can't lie here in the street. Why, of course. Bring him in. Right you are, Mum. Here, Bert. Right out. Give us a hand. Uh, anyway, Oh, poor fella. Do you see what happened to him, mister? Yes, I saw my good woman. A very convincing demonstration. What do you mean? Uh, weren't you paid by a, a certain gentleman for this performance? Oh, you knows about it too. Yeah, you must be a friend of Mr Sherlock Holmes. Yes, um, I am. Nice gentleman. He give us five bob apiece for tonight's work. It ain't through yet, though. We got to start yelling fire when somebody tells us. I'm that somebody, my dear lady. There's Mr. Holmes now. He's inside the house. Yes, he's opening a window. Now he's raising his hand. That's my signal. Now to throw the rocket. Uh, 
There we are. Holmes, there you are. You have the photograph? No, but I know what it is. She showed me as I told you she would. I'm still in the dark. There's no mystery, old chap. When my accomplices started the round the street, I had a little moist red paint in my hand. As my good friend Alfie pretended to strike me, I clapped my hand to my head and fell down. It's an old trick. Yes, I understand that, but uh, how did my throwing the rocket help you? It was all important, my dear fellow. When a woman thinks her home is on fire, her instinct is at once to rush to the thing she values most. A married woman grabs her baby. An unmarried reaches for her jewel box. In this case, of course, it was the photograph. Well, where was it? In a recess in the living room, just above the right-hand bell pole. I caught a glimpse of it as she half drew it out. When I made it known that the fire was a false alarm, she replaced the photograph. As soon as I was able, I assured her that I was feeling well enough to leave. You didn't take the photograph, then? No, I felt that uh, over-precipitance at this stage might ruin everything. And what do we do now? Drive to the Langham Hotel and inform His Majesty of what has happened, then return with him here. After that, my dear chap, the case will be ended. <laughs> This is Brownlee Lodge now, Your Majesty. Yes, I'm all impatience. Your certain this photograph will still be there, Mr. Holmes. I have every reason to believe so, Your Majesty. Mm, I, I must confess, uh, this is going to be something of an ordeal. And I suggest that you let me do the talking, Your Majesty. I think I know how to handle the lady. Sherlock Holmes, I believe. Uh, yes. I am Mr. Holmes. How did you know? My mistress told me that you would be likely to call. She has left for the continent with her husband. You mean she's left England? Never to return. Uh, then the papers, the photograph. All is lost, Mr. Holmes. We'll soon see. Follow me. She said you'd be looking for something. I hope you find it. This was the bell pole. There's a sliding panel behind it somewhere. Ah, here it is. Uh, is, uh, is the photograph there, Mr. Holmes? There is a photograph, but it's a photograph of the lady alone. Uh, here's a letter, and it's addressed to me. Well, what's it say, Holmes? My dear Mr. Sherlock Holmes, you really did it very well. Until after the fire alarm, I had no suspicion. But then, when I realized how I had betrayed myself, I began to think. I'd been warned that if the king employed an agent, it would certainly be you. May I congratulate you on your disguise as the dear old clergyman? Great, Scott. You were far more clever than you thought, Holmes. Uh, yeah, yeah, go on. What else does it say? Uh, let me see. My husband and I both thought that the best recourse was flight. So you will find the nest empty. As to the photograph of the king and yourself, his majesty may rest in peace. Thank goodness for that. I love and am loved by a better man than he. Hmm. I leave another photograph, however that he might care to possess. And I remain, dear Mr. Sherlock Holmes, very truly yours, Irene Norton, nay Adler. What a woman, Watson. What a woman. What a magnificent woman. She fooled me completely. But, uh, oh, I, I'm sorry, Your Majesty. I, I've been unable to bring your business to a more successful conclusion. On uh, the contrary, my dear sir, nothing could be more successful. I know that Irene's word is inviolate. The incriminating photograph is now as safe as if it were in the fire. I'm glad to hear your majesty say so. I am immensely indebted to you. Now, pray tell me in, in what way I can reward you. This uh, barrel uh, ring that I wear, <laughs> I should be proud Your majesty to... has something that I should um, value even more highly. You have but to name it. This photograph. Irene's photograph? But certainly. However, you must let me give you something more substantial. Oh, no, 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 your majesty. This is... a. Uh, Something I shall treasure all my life. This and a golden sovereign I received from the lady's hand. They will remind me that I was once tricked by a woman. A woman that I shall never forget. What a woman, that Mrs. Adler. Or should I say, Mrs. Norton. 
Ah, that's the kind of woman I could really go for, Doctor. Yes, you could. Just between ourselves, you know, I sort of, uh, well, uh, I sort of could go, go for her myself. <laughs> she was intelligent. Yes, yeah, she was rich. Beautiful. That's the kind of woman you want sitting next to you in front of a cozy fire on a nippy fall night. Just the three of you. The three of you? Mm-hmm. You, she, and a glass of Petri Port. <laughs> Mr. Bartellicourt. Why not? <laughs> That Petri California Port is some wine. Boy, that Petri family really knows how to make good wine, all right. And no wonder. Look at all the experience they've had. Ever since they started the Petri business way back in the 1800s, the Petri family has handed down from father to son, from father to son, the art of selecting perfect sun-ripened California grapes and making them into clear, fragrant, delicious wine. Those letters, P-E-T-R-I, on the label of every bottle of Petri wine are the personal assurance of the Petri family that every drop of wine in that bottle is good wine. It's got to be, because Petri took time to bring you good wine. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.